And I believe that God has a word that he wants to share with each of you. And uh, I'm going to read through actually a, probably 16 verses. We're going to start in Mark chapter 1 verse 40, but we're going to go all the way through chapter 2 verse 12 because there are in this section three tales of faith. And you might resonate with one of these tales, but the, the essential point that we're going to start with is Jesus heals people. He heals people that society has no space for. And I'm going to give you two examples of that right off the bat, beginning by reading Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 45. So with your Bibles or your devices open, let's read these first five verses. And it says this. It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, speaking of Jesus, and kneeling, said to Jesus, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But the man went out and began to freely talk about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to Jesus from every quarter. I want to stop right here before we move into the rest of the text, because as I start this off, as we start this off looking together at how Jesus heals people that society doesn't have space for, we get one example of what that looks like in a leper. Now, a leper... Uh, had a very visible type of disease. But the disease was far more than just about the visible aspects of the disease. This was a social disease as well. I don't know if you've ever felt this way before, but I remember uh, just not too long ago being in a restaurant here in Santa Barbara, and I was so hungry. I was famished, really. I was eating too fast. And because I was eating too fast, I, I kind of you know, ate down the wrong pipe, as my mom would say, and it started coughing. And it was just a couple coughs. And at the sound of that cough, everyone in the building kind of did one of these. <sighs> like, a, like that kind of reaction, like, oh, he's a, he's a, he's a leper. He's going to kill me. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. I'm just eating too fast. I'm not sick. But if you've ever felt that, a leper felt this times 100. Leprosy was a disease of the skin. It was a deteriorating disease of the skin. And in first century Israel, it was worse than a life-threatening disease. It was worse than a terminal illness. It was often known as the living death because even though you were alive, you were dead. You were dead to society, you were dead to people, you were dead to people around you. In fact, many lepers were labeled in the first century unclean. And their very appearance was a warning to other people to stay away. For that reason, not only were they sick, but they couldn't even work. They couldn't return home. They were banished from their family. They couldn't even attend worship services. All of the things in a collective first century Palestinian society that brought them a sense of belonging and safety were taken away because of this external thing. To make matters worse, there was also this common misconception in those days that lepers were somehow being uniquely punished by God 
for some sins that they had committed. All of this, Jesus would firmly denounce. For example, when he told, the lame, uh, he told his disciples it wasn't the lame man's fault that he was born that way, these things happen. But in this, we should see the point of what Jesus is trying to make. One is that he heals diseases. Can I get an amen from somebody? But this is also far deeper than just the healing of diseases. For a disease that caused everyone in your sphere of influence and relationship to stay away from you, Jesus was making a decisive statement of the kingdom. Not only do I heal diseases, but I also love you. He shatters the false script that God had something to do with this by stepping down into our mess, healing a disease, and touching lepers. So yeah, he heals diseases, but he's also making a kingdom declaration that God loves you, even when you feel unloved. We also see another example of somebody that society didn't have space for. It was a paralytic. Read with me Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. It says, and when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. For the leper, there was a social ostracization. There was a separation, a sense of otherness and difference that kept him from God and people. For the paralytic, there was just no room for him, literally no room now, I want you to notice two patterns with both of these people. Both of them wanted to be healed. And Jesus was willing and able to heal both of them. But sometimes life is cruel and it introduces obstacles between the two. You might intuitively believe, yeah, Jesus, Jesus can heal me. Jesus can touch my life. Maybe even Jesus loves me. You might have a desire for breakthrough in your life, but sometimes we face these other obstacles that keep us from Jesus. My question for you today is what is keeping you from coming to Jesus this morning? There's probably a long list of things that we could talk about, but I just wanna, I just wanna pick and borrow from this passage. I wanna give you three obstacles to coming to Jesus. The first one, we see in the leper, and it's just old-fashioned shame. Shame keeps people from coming to Jesus. See, the real destructive power of leprosy was in its ability to isolate the person from relational support. Perhaps this morning, some of you feel so much shame over what you've done or what's been done to you, that you feel alone in your suffering and that isolation keeps you from opening up and receiving help. 
For the paralytic, it was different. It was weakness. See, someone else might have been able to edge their way into that crowded house, kind of just push their shoulders around and edge their way in and get maybe a front row seat or a second row or a 10th row seat to, to the house of Jesus. But this guy literally had no working legs. You could say that he was helpless. You might be able to say that he was stuck. I wonder if some of you this morning feel stuck. The desire's there. The solution is there. But there's something else deeper inside that's causing you to feel stuck. Where you feel maybe too weak or too helpless to enact change. There's two obstacles there, but I think there's also the subtle third obstacle. And that's cynicism. So we actually see cynicism in another group of people in that house on that day. It was the scribes. Scribes were the kind of religious elite of that day. They were the ones who went to school their whole life to learn the scriptures and allotted enough responsibility and power and influence in that day to actually lead the nation of Israel. They had, a lot of, they had a lot of responsibility. They had a lot of power. They also had a lot of knowledge. Listen to what it says in verse 6 and 8, 6 through 8 of chapter 2. After Jesus pronounces over the paralytic, I forgive you of your sins, it says, now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like this? This dude is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Mark's favorite word, immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves and said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? What hurts the most about this group for me is that they are people who probably know more about God and more about the Bible than anybody else in the room. And yet something is still off. They ask questions and all throughout the gospels we see people asking Jesus questions and he answers them. And they ask questions too, but there's something about their question that's off. Their questions seem to lack the playful curiosity of a child. It's replaced with something that's cold, unbelieving, and cynical. And I say all of this because I've been there too. And maybe you are as well. Maybe some of you this morning have lost the wonder. What used to be vibrant in your faith has been calloused over by years of hurt and disappointment. Maybe even now you're here, but you're growing bitter, growing cynical. And what I want you to see in this story is that there are three people, the leper, the paralytic, and the scribe. And all three of these people need help. 
but only the first two actually recognize that. Which one do you resonate with most today? See, what separates these three people is not knowledge or religious performance or moral acumen. What separates them is that the first two just have faith. Now, even as I say they have faith, perhaps that word has triggered in some of you another reaction. For example, if you feel like the leper and you feel shame, hearing that you need more faith exacerbates your shame. You might be saying, another thing that I don't have enough of. Another thing that I struggle with. If you feel, uh, or if you resonate with the paralytic and you feel like you just don't have the energy, literally can't pick up a finger to save yourself, you're tired and fatigued, faith is another thing on your to-do list that you failed to do. And so maybe when you hear that word faith, you're thinking of another thing that you either can't do or you failed to do. And the shame and the sense of helplessness and weaknesses is exacerbated. And I want to challenge the way that we think if that's where we're struggling and that maybe we have a different view of what faith is than Jesus did. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says that faith is just the assurance of something worth hoping for. Meaning it has nothing to do with what you're able to do at all. Faith is birthed in the weakness of people like the paralytic who've actually come to the farthest and logical conclusion of their weakness. I can't even lift myself onto the roof. Bam, faith. It happens at the basis of the leper's weakness who says, I, I literally can't do anything else. I need to take a little bit of a risk. I need to get to Jesus. The first two have faith, but faith is not just another box on our checklist that we need to get right. It erases the checklist and simply makes space for Jesus to move. That's my third and final point is that faith makes space. And you know, making space for Jesus will sometimes feel risky, right? It'll sometimes come with a cost. And below are what I think in this story are the best way or a great way to respond to Jesus. I also think we get a bad way to respond to Jesus. Let's look at them. The first one is to simply ask for help. If the leper's biggest obstacle was, I feel shame and that makes me want to hide myself and be by myself. Look at his response in verse 40 and see that the risky and bold nature of this person's faith. It says all the way back at verse 40, chapter 1, and a leper came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you're willing you can make me clean. 
Can you imagine all of the things that took place for this leper to get to that point? He wasn't supposed to be around the crowd. He definitely wasn't supposed to sully the space of a respected rabbi. He's breaking all the rules. What kind of person breaks all the rules? Somebody desperate enough for change. Somebody who's maybe silly enough to think that if they were to step forward that Jesus would give them exactly what they needed in that moment. Someone who cares less about the opinions of others and more about getting to Jesus. A leper came to him. Just those four words right there. Speak of, uh, speak of a faith that makes space. And how do you make space? Asking for help. You know what's funny about this exchange? All of these exchanges where somebody asks Jesus to heal him or cast out a demon or any of those things is we like, we've read, the, we've read these stories before. We know what Jesus is going to do. Of course he can do that. And yet something happens and it seems to happen in the heart of God when people ask. It reminds me in some way of, you know, my kids. Like when my son Jude comes up to me and he's like, give me a glass of juice. I'm like, dude. But then there's these other times where he walks up to me and he says, dad, will you play with me? I'll drop anything. I'll drop anything for that. The book of James says that we have not because we ask not which is a strange, mysterious thing in the Bible that we see. The, the God who can do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that we ask or think still loves for his children to ask. Perhaps it's because asking is where the power is. Perhaps it's because there's power in a sense of vulnerability. Whatever it is, the leper steps out risks it all to approach Jesus to ask for help. We see a, the same thing with the paralytic, but in a different sense. The paralytic had no room to get to Jesus and no legs to get to that room. He couldn't access Jesus at all, and yet he gets his friends involved and his friends tear the roof open. Look at verse 4 through 5 in chapter 2. It says, when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, whose faith? Their faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. This is astounding to me. It doesn't even say he saw the paralytic's faith. Maybe he didn't have any. Maybe he was too weak in that moment. Maybe he was at the end of his rope. Maybe he had no ounce of energy to push himself forward. But you know what he did? He said, I'm going to find some friends who have some energy for me. Paralytic couldn't help himself, and so he asks his friends for help. And he found four friends who said, we're going to get you to Jesus at all cost. I pray for that. 
I pray that for you. I pray that the Holy Spirit would establish in this strange, isolated season, deep, significant, meaningful, spiritual friendships of people in our lives that would say, I will tear off the roof to get you to Jesus. But either way, both of these people in their own special and unique way simply ask for help. That's what faith looks like. So it's okay if you're saying right now, I don't have what it takes. I'm afraid, I'm lonely, I'm powerless, I'm helpless. That's exactly the place where God seems to move the most. I wanna give you another way. And this is the way that doesn't seem to work. And this is what we see in the scribes. If the paralytic and the leper both make space for Jesus by asking for help, what the scribes seem to do is that they're just committed to being right. Now, we don't actually see the scribes' response right here, but over the course of Mark's gospel, we will see where cynicism leads them. And I want to kind of point out about six verses between now and when Jesus dies on the cross dealing with the scribes so that you can see what happens when we lose the wonder. In a few verses from now, in Mark chapter 2, verse 16, it says, The scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to the disciples, Why does he eat with those people? Mark chapter 3, verse 22, And the scribes came down from Jerusalem after Jesus cast out a demon from some poor chap. It says, Oh, Jesus is just possessed by the devil. That's how he's doing that. By the prince of demons, he casts out demons. Mark chapter 11, verse 18, and the chief priests and the scribes heard what was going on and they were seeking a way to destroy Jesus for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished by him. Mark chapter 14, verse one, it was now two days before the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. Mark chapter 14, verse 43, and immediately while Jesus was still speaking, Judas came, one of the 12, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes. Mark chapter 15, verse 1, and as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. Mark 15, verse 31. As Jesus is dying on the cross for the sins of the world, the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, he saved others. He can't even save himself. They miss entirely this absolutely extravagant sign and expression of God's love to a broken world in the cross of Jesus. Why? They had already lost the wonder years ago, and they were settled on being right about that. See, ultimately, the leper and the paralytic want Jesus to touch them. They want Jesus to transform them, and Jesus is willing. 
You're here right now, you got stuff and you're hoping for Jesus to step into your mess and to transform your life and to give you breakthrough and to move mountains and to be present with you. Jesus is willing. And you know what? He was willing to heal the scribes too. Some of you are here this morning and you're cynical. You've been hurt so much that that hurt like layers is turning into calluses. Jesus can heal you too. He can reintroduce joy into your life. He can pull back those hardened layers. He can meet you right where you're at. But the scribes in this story, they just wanted to be right. And sometimes our desire to be right keeps us from the healing and transformation that we need. No one wakes up in the morning wanting to kill Jesus. This is a slow roll that starts from a place of cynicism. The question I think most of us here should be asking is, what are we really here for? Why are we really here? And to answer this question, I want to save the, what, I, what I think is the best passage in this section for last. It's Mark chapter 2, verse 9 through 12. This is right after the scribes question Jesus and they say, you can't forgive sins, only God can do that. This is his response. This is the ultimate mic drop. Jesus says, what's easier? To say to a paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say to a paralytic, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, verse 11, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. On one hand, this is kind of a Jesus jab. It's a mic drop and a Jesus jab. He's kind of exposing the simplicity of semantics. The scribes very easily could have said something like Jesus did. I forgive your sins, but how can you measure that? He's exposing how unmeasurable their way of thinking is. They can learn all the right answers, but it won't change a single hair on a person's head. Right answers don't transform broken lives. Jesus does. And Jesus doesn't just deal us semantics. He heals the sick. He casts out demons. He brings joy where there is no joy. He brings water where there are barren wildernesses and he sets people free. And that's why against the backdrop of the scribes who still just wanna be right, they look at Jesus and offer an accurate response. We've never seen anything like this before. Amen. That's right. You've never seen anything like Jesus either. We've never seen anything like Jesus. 
I want to ask you to not turn off the wonder of Jesus. You can wrestle with doubt. You can ask questions. But all these people that Jesus healed did all of that with Jesus. This kind of entails that we let go of our need to control our own lives and just allow Jesus in to heal, to teach us, to touch our lives. You might be hearing that and asking a valid question, how do I do that? I think we don't need to look any farther than the leper and the paralytic who simply asked for help. I'm going to ask the worship team to uh, come up and lead us in song. I'm also going to ask the prayer team uh, to make their way to the corner over there where they've been praying for us. Because part of asking for help for a lot of us is going to be asking somebody to pray for us. Very simply put, asking for help means asking for prayer. I know a lot of you want this really bad. You don't even have, you might not even have the words to pray for yourself, but you would love for somebody to pray for you. And the Bible says that the prayers, the, the, the prayers of another person are powerful and effective. But there's an obstacle, and that obstacle is shame. Because even now, some of you are saying, well, I don't want to go up there in front of everybody because they're going to think that something's wrong with me. Friends, of course something is wrong with us. Of course something is wrong with each of us. That's what Jesus came to change. And healing happens when we drop the facade. Do you think this paralytic was like, yeah, I kind of want a healing, but I don't want to make a scene? I feel like this guy was like, yeah, take me to the roof. Take me to the stinking roof. I need to get to Jesus. I need to get to Jesus, the leper. I just need to get to Jesus. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they think. I don't care how expensive that roof was. I don't care if it's a terracotta roof in Santa Barbara. Get me through the roof. Something happens in the life of the person when we can say with all vulnerability and honesty, I want Jesus at all costs. The only people afraid of being found out were the people who looked great on the outside but were dying on the inside. That's the scribes. And for that reason, I want to ask, what do you really want from Jesus? And I want, you, I want to invite you to get it. Be afraid no longer because Jesus is willing. We're going to respond in worship and song today for the next few minutes. But we also have prayer teams over here. Be bold. Step out in vulnerability. Nobody knows what you're praying for. Just come get prayer and ask God for breakthrough in your life. And let's be willing and anticipatory that Jesus is who he said he is. And he's the one who heals and redeems and transforms.